Well, it's good to be here. Are you glad to be here? <clears throat> Everybody happy? Everybody enthusiastic? Ready to receive the word? Amen. <clears throat> Scottish accent. God speaks to me in the God speaks to me in a Scottish accent. You probably thought he was New Zealander, but he's not. He's not a Kiwi. <clears throat> but uh, it's, I, I just want to say this: it's a great, a great honor to be here. Thank you so much, because I know how well your pastors teach. I, I, I've I've heard them, I've listened to them, and I know that they're great teachers. So I hope I can add something to uh, to the house this morning. We trust God for that. Amen. <clears throat> yeah, you know, I I I don't often uh, really share about some of the stuff that's happened, um, you know, it almost sounds like you're bragging, but it's actually not. It's, it's history now. But, um, you know, I'm going to speak a little bit this morning about, um, you know, what God wants to do and how God is, is, is looking for containers to fill. That, you know, when God wants to do anything on the earth, he's got to look for a container to receive what he's going to do. Amen. And so uh, I will speak a little bit about that. But just, just very briefly, um, yeah, this course has... It was amazing to me because it was a, it was about a 40-minute encounter I had, and it sounds very grandiose, but I don't mean it in that way. But I didn't go to heaven or anything like that. But I had an encounter for about 40 minutes uh, in my room uh, with God in uh, 1984, and uh, I'd never, you know, asked God for anything like that. And we were in a real move. We were getting 400 people added to the church at one time every month, not visiting, but actually added. Can you imagine that? Added to the church every month. And uh, people were coming from all over the world. I, I guess you could say it was like the, the, the Hillsong Conference before there was a Hillsong. Um, that is exactly what it was like. Big, massive conferences. And, you know, during this, this time of, of, uh, of a great move of the Spirit, um, I had this encounter, and, and our praise and worship was, was excellent. You know, we were making records in those days. People were buying them all over the country. We were traveling and as a music ministry. And, uh, and God said to me, um, or the impression that I got, I didn't hear God say it, but the impression I got was that the worship that he's looking for is not just what we give him for 20 minutes before somebody preaches, that what he's actually looking for is a lifestyle of worship. Now, this was in 84, and, uh, and that language was foreign to me and probably foreign to most people at that time, and I, I thought, wow, that's, what is that? Anyway, long and short of that is he asked me to write a course, and I wrote this course, and, um, you know, we tried it in, in our church. You know, people came. People said, oh, we were blessed. Something happened. And then um, I invited pastors to come. Pastors came from all, all different denominations. And, uh, and I said to these pastors, listen, you know, go and apply the stuff, and if it works, let me know. If it doesn't work, great, thanks for coming kind of thing, you know. I wasn't really trying to push a ministry because I had a great ministry. And so it wasn't, it wasn't from that angle. I've got to get a ministry. I already had one. And so, you know, they would take the material, go back to their local churches, all kinds of denominations, and they would phone me up and say, Tom, this stuff is actually working. Our people's lives are being changed. And I thought, well, that's, that's pretty good. Maybe I did hear from God. Because you know how sometimes you think, you wonder if you actually heard from God or not, you know? I thought, maybe I did hear from God. Maybe that was God. And then my pastor, Pastor Ray McCauley, um, he said to me, Tom, he says, we've got to promote this more. So he got up and, and uh, at these conferences, there was pastors coming from all over the world. And he would get up and he would say, Pastor Tom's going to be speaking on Monday. Uh, he's got a prophetic word regarding the end time church. And it really has been a prophetic word. And so uh, he would say, you pastors need to be there. 
well, there I was, you know, I would have, you know, a couple of hundred pastors there, and I would share with them the prophetic word, and before I knew what was happening, I was getting invitations all over the world, and, uh, and so much so that I had to resign my position as a music director in this fantastic church, and basically just travel the nations, and I traveled for, I think, probably 10, 15 years, uh, most of the time I was traveling. And uh, Barbara, my wife, she's here this morning, by the way. Sorry I didn't introduce you, Barbara. This is my precious wife, Barbara. But she, uh, she looked after the kids and brought the kids up uh, for many years, in a sense, when I was traveling, taking this message into the nations. And we really saw, I saw the grace of God on it because, you know, there was no internet in those days. You know, uh, you, know you couldn't push it that way. It was word of mouth. And uh, God opened up the nations word of mouth. Supernatural things. I was in... I was in an airport, I think it was in uh, Los Angeles, and I was sitting across from this guy. He was a, he was a, a younger man, and, and probably in his 30s, well-dressed, early 30s, well-dressed. And he was reading a book, and in between, he was reading the book like that, and he was right across from me, and in between his fingers, I could see the word God. And I thought, well, he's reading a book about God, and uh, that's a good thing, so I'll, I'll wait. So then he puts his, his, his book down, and he looks at me, and I said, hi, how are you? Good, thanks. And I said, are you, are you reading about God? He says, yeah, I'm a Christian. I said, well, so am I. That's awesome. He says, yeah. He says, I come from uh, um, ba Basel in, in Switzerland. And I, did I get the name right? And, uh, and I says, oh, that's awesome, man. He says, yeah. He says, I've just, uh, I've just been, you know, I've just been on a great course. I'm just finishing this course. And it's on worship. And I said to him, oh, wow. That's... <laughs> That's good. That's good. <laughs> he says, he says, yeah. I says, what is the course called? He says, it's called Samity. And I says, oh, he says, do you know the course? I says, I wrote the book. <laughs> and it was, it's things like that, that it just went into places in the underground church in China. Um, again, we don't know, you know, but possibly hundreds of thousands of people in the underground church in China have done the course. I went, I went over there and uh, one of the key guys in the underground church and they would bring in leaders for, for two years. They brought in mostly young women who were looking after churches in the underground in China. And, um, and they trained them with us for one week at a time. And they, they put them through this course. And then it was translated into Chinese, obviously. And they took it back into the underground church. And this went on for about two years or three years, bringing leaders in and uh, training them and say, take this stuff back. So, hey, who knows? You know, maybe thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands. It doesn't really matter. God knows. It's not. The important thing is that it got out. It's in the underground church in China. Um, that, that's what's important. And so, you know, the stories upon stories, how God opened up nations for me. And I realized that when God is in something, he just does it. Can I get an enthusiastic amen? That would have been a great place. When God's in something, he just does it. Amen? And so... Uh, yeah, so, you know, my life has been, it's really been quite supernatural from that aspect. I'm in a different phase right now. I'm in a phase where we've handed over our church to my daughter and her husband in Sydney. We pioneered a church there. And so now I'm, I'm kind of I'm free again to, uh, to travel more, but I'm still helping such a lot in the church. So it's a different season now that we're in. So we're, we're really, this is uh, Samity 2.0 where we're we're, uh, we're taking the message again to the nations. And what I'm finding is a lot of young people uh, just come back from Singapore. And uh, the enthusiasm, we, young people were coming to my meetings, which was quite amazing. Um, young adults, 
not, not teenagers, but young adults. And um, they want to find out about worship. So it's almost like there's a, another generation that's coming through and saying, we want to understand this stuff. We don't really fully understand this. We don't get it. You know, we never got it. Because the church has been so involved in the musical aspect of worship for the last 20, 30 years that uh, they've missed it. And the most important part, which is the lifestyle development, is what does the Bible say about worship? How are you supposed to develop it outside the walls of the church? What are you doing on Monday morning when things ain't going all that well? You know what I'm saying? That's really, that's really what God is after. And, um, and so, uh, you know, I, I remember I was in Israel and I went to, uh, I went to the, I phoned them up and I said, look, I'd like to speak to your uh, professor of music. Uh, this is the first trip that I made to Israel. And, and uh, so I went to see this guy and he said, yeah, you can come in. And so I said to him, I said, I'm a Christian and, you know, I study the tabernacle of David and all that kind of stuff, which he understood. And, uh, and I says, let me ask you just one question. I says, what is the most important thing? Because I had to get this from the lips of a, a professor of music in Israel. I says, what is the most important thing? When we look at the biblical subject to worship, is it the music or is it the words? And he kind of laughed like, that's a silly question. And he says, well, the most important thing is always the words. The music just supports the words. And so what the, what the church has actually done is we have focused away from the word and we focused on the music. It's been very subtle. Amen. And so a lot of people will come in and sing. I'm not saying you, obviously. But a lot of people and a lot of churches will come in and sing songs every week. And actually have no revelation of what's in here. And so, you know, we call the fast ones praise and the slow, song, the slow ones worship. The, the, the speed has got nothing to do with the biblical category of praise and worship. Nothing at all to do. But that's okay. Because we know that slow ones, it's more worshipful and, you know, loving God and stuff like that. That's okay. But, and then the praise ones is to get you excited so that you shake the sleep out before we get going, right? To waken you up before the pastor preaches, right? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying that. But a lot of pastors think that because I've said that before. You know, shake them up, man. Get them going so that they're awake to receive the word of God. Amen. Because sometimes people come in sleepy and they come in all, all kinds of, you got to shake them up and get them going, right? Is that right? Or do you guys just come in and you're wide awake and you're ready to go, right? I'm speaking to the wrong people. I'm sure, I'm sure that's you. But again, a couple of books here. I've got this book called The Worshipping You. It's a prophetic look, a prophetic insight into that encounter I had with God for 40 minutes. And there's some amazing stuff in here that I'm still trying to process. But, I'm, you know, I got a glimpse into the end time church. I got this in 1984. That's 40 years ago. And, you know, a, a lot of prophets have heard what I've had to say, and uh, none of them have questioned it. None of them have said, well, I wonder if that can be true. Um, and for 40 years, I've carried the same message. I've never wavered from it. I have never moved away from it, never changed it. But what I saw there is the end-time glorious church, that Jesus is coming back for a glorious church. Amen? Can anybody remotely get excited about that? Thank you for that. There's one sister up there, up the back, give a woo there. That's awesome, man. I'll preach to you. But, but, you know, I mean, he's coming back. He's not coming back for some Mickey Mouse church that's lost in the wilderness. He's not coming back for some church that's just kind of, we're down. All we want to do is to get to heaven. No, man, we want to live on the planet. We, we want to live and do the best we can for Jesus while we're here. We want to get people saved and people delivered and people. We want to see all the stuff it talks about in the book of Acts. We want to go beyond that, right? And so I'm going, to, I'm going to speak to you about that this morning, a little bit about that, about, I mean, how God wants to convert the things that we seem are impossible into all possibilities. 
There is things lying in the inside of you, man, that you, you might think, was that God? I wonder if God said that to me. And then you start to think about it and you think, well, that's kind of impossible for me to fulfill. God says, no, 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 I actually put that stuff there. You've got to stir that stuff up and make it possible because we're getting ready for a glorious church. This here is a book I've just written. It's called Five Miraculous Hours. It's, it's a story of me meeting my biological mother in five hours from start to finish in Scotland. It's, it's a remarkable book. And the reason I say it's remarkable, when I finished writing this book, <clears throat> I had a couple with me who went through the whole journey of five hours with me. And they said, Tom, unless we were with you, nobody would believe that this actually took place. But I'll just give you one little snippet of seven or eight miracles that happened in five hours. Um, I found out on, on the Friday night my real name. Um, I found out my name was Hunter Shanks, not Tom Ingalls. Hunter Shanks, I was called. And so, uh, so I found that out on a Friday night. I went to the births and marriages, and uh, that was a miraculous encounter. And uh, how I got that. And so I'm kind of, I'm kind of, we go to a little hotel before we start preaching. I did a seminar, Edinburgh, on this the Saturday, and uh, and I'm kind of shaken up. I'm thinking, I know my name for the first time. My name is Hunter Shanks. But people know me as Tom Ingalls. This is weird, man. I get two names. I get two mothers. <laughs> but, you know, you, you, you don't know where to start, right? You just got a name, and the guy says, look, you'll have to go next door on Monday morning and, and find out there. They've got more records and stuff. So on Monday morning, I'll just give you this little bit, but it's the, the book is full of these little snippets of God encounters. But on the Monday, in, in the Monday morning, uh, I went to this. It's, it's uh, an extension of birthdays and marriages. By the way, Scottish records are the best in the world. don't know if you're aware of that. They go back hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, and so I get there. There's, there's three booths there. There's three people serving there. And there's lines in each one of them. And I, I just chose one. And, and there's, a, there's about maybe seven or eight people before me. And I'm thinking, oh, man, I can't do it. I must do this. I can't do it in the natural, but I'm going to do it. And so I skipped a line. I just went up and I said, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. And I went up to the very front of the line. And I'm feeling real bad about it. But in, in a sense, I'm not. You know what I'm saying? It's, funny. it's like when you feel you've got to do this. You've got to do it. And so I got, I'm saying, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. It's, you know. And so I'm standing in front of this guy. Standing in front of this guy. And I says, oh, hi, I'm, uh, I'm looking for my mother. I'm living in America now. And uh, I'm looking for my mother. And uh, I just, the only thing I know is, uh, and he, he can he can stop me. And he says, is your name Tom Ingalls? This is true. I'm telling you the truth, man. All right? Some of you are looking, ah, telling you the truth. And so I, so I says, I says, yes, yeah, my name is Tom. He says, yeah. He says, you went to us, you did a seminar in Edinburgh yesterday. And I said, yeah, I did. He said, my wife was at that seminar. And during the seminar, I'm, I'm going good, you know, I'm sticking to my notes. And all of a sudden, I went off at a tangent and I start talking about, you know, names are important in the Bible. So I'm going off this, this whole thing. Names are important in the Bible. And then I'm thinking, I've gone down a rabbit hole here. How am I going to get out of this? It's got nothing to do with my subject. And I could see the people kind of looking at me. And I, I said, yeah, names are important. I, I just found out my name. Anyway, it's not, that's not important. And I went back on subject. So he says, his wife, when I said that, the Holy Spirit said to her, this man will come into the center and he will look for his mother, 
Tell your husband to watch out for him. This is true. So I says, yeah, my name is Tommy. He says, yeah, my wife was there, and the Holy Spirit told her. So he says, look, he says, give me what you've got. I said, I don't have much, you know, my name in the hospital I was born, and that's it. He says, normally what we would do is, he says, there's three stories of uh, microfiche um, information there, and it takes it can take days to find out stuff. He says, you, you stay here, and I'm going to go and find out for you if I can get any information. And so he went away. He was back in about 15 minutes. He came back, and he says, I've got it. And uh, uh, he gave me some insights. And that's just one of the things, but there were some incredible things that was noted in Scottish records. In Scottish records, they put footnotes. They don't do them anymore. But they used to put these little footnotes describing things that it seemed irrelevant. It was one of the footnotes that had been written down there that opened up the whole door in that, in that day. So anyway, read the book, okay? Go buy the book. All right? Okay. So, no, it's just, just supernatural. So, uh, God, is a God, God is a God of wonders. Amen? He's, he's, I mean, man, I'm telling you, God is out to surprise you. Don't for a minute think it's over. Don't for a minute think that it's mundane. God is going to do more exciting things in your life than you can ever imagine. Because we are the generation... I believe we're the generation that Jesus might come back for. I'm not saying he is, because that would be then prophetic, and I don't know. But it, it seems like everything that's going on in the world, all the crazy stuff that's going on in the world, it seems like things are moving very fast and rapidly towards the return of the Lord. Would you agree with that? I think that's pretty true. I think that's pretty accurate. So, you know, God is then preparing this generation. And uh, there, there's certain things that God does to prepare a generation, and, and I feel we are on the cusp of that. I really do feel that. Like I said to you, God wants to do things that seem in your life that are impossible. The way God does things is when He creates people, He puts everything in the inside of them that they will ever need to fulfill the plans and purposes and the destiny that He's got for them. We often think that things come from the sky, you know. You know, God, God sends us. But actually, it works the other way around. Everything comes from inside. Everything that you will ever need to fulfill your God-given destiny is already deposited in the inside. Every gift that you will ever use, everything that you will ever need is all, is all deposited in the inside. That treasure is within these living treasures. Amen. The treasure of His wisdom and His knowledge and His insight. And because you're filled with the Holy Spirit, right? You have the Holy Spirit living in the inside, man. You guys are awesome. If the world knew what we were like, you know, the potential that they had just come in contact with us, that our words could set them free, you know, our hands could heal them. Can you imagine that we'd be running to church and that will happen? Because God showed me that then that our churches will be, will be far too small to accommodate the influx of people coming into the church. We're in this phase right now where the church, it seems, it seems difficult, generally speaking, you know. It seems difficult to get the church moving. You know, uh, more pastors obviously want more people in their churches. It doesn't matter where you go. We want to see more of the life of God. We want to see more revival and all of that kind of stuff. And, you know, that will certainly come. But there's got to be a time when God actually steps in and says, let me do my bit. You've done your bit. Because we do our best, right? And you often think our best is probably not good enough. We wish we could do more. 
But there will come a time when God's grace will just step in and God will say, let me show you what I'm going to do. Because he says, he says, I'm the one who builds a church. You don't do, you do your part, but I'm going to do my part. Watch what I'm going to do. And when up until this time, you know, God has been building the church through man in a sense, but a lot of it has been man, man's efforts, right? And we've done our best and we're, we're still doing our best and we're going to be, you know, faithful to God. But there'll come a time when it'll seem like, because I saw a glimpse of that in South Africa, when God just steps in and everything becomes so supernatural. It's just so supernatural. You know, I mean, to get 400 people added to your church every, every month. It, it seemed in, in those times, you know, that, that nothing was impossible for God. You just felt, wow, what is this? Nothing is impossible anymore for God. God has stepped in. So I want to talk about that. So um, it says in Matthew 19, 25, 26, it says, when his disciples heard it, they were greatly astonished, saying, who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said to them, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. All things are possible. And then in Philippians 1, 6, give you some foundational scriptures. It says, being confident of this very thing, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will perform it or will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. In other words, if God started a good work in you, if, if you're born again here tonight, today, right? If, if you're born again, it is true that God started a good work in you. Is that right? I tell not a lie. If you're born again, listen, man, you and I weren't smart enough to get born again. It wasn't your fancy idea or my fancy idea that God has born. We wouldn't even know where to go. When Barbara and I got born again, she was, I was Presbyterian kind of, and she was Anglican and never went to church. I mean, we just didn't know anything. But in one night, one instant, one second, God came and God got us saved. And all of a sudden, He snapped us. He took us out of darkness. And He placed us in the kingdom of His dear Son. Just like that, man. Just like that. Just like that. I mean, that's how God can do it. This is how God's going to do it again. God's going to, because we, once we get born again, we can get sluggish. You know, we can get sluggish and it's like, yeah, oh, that was great. Yeah, we did get born again in an instant. Just like that, we get born again. And then it seems like, you know, we're plodding through life and the devil will come with everything and try and hinder you and stuff like that. But I want to say to you that there's a quickening taking place in the body of Christ right now. There's a quickening taking place in people's lives, and they're actually rising up. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Arise. Arise means it means to get to a new level of living. There's another place where God wants you to live. Live in that place which is below the norm. Live in that place of the supernatural. Live in that place of the Word of God. Everything that He said, that's why it's so important to stay in the Word of God, to live in the Word of God. My message has been worship, but it's based on this here. It's based on the Word of God. You cannot move away from it. So if God has started a good work in you, then we've got to allow God to finish the good work. Amen? Listen, God doesn't start a good work and say, oh, you know what? We got Tom saved. Isn't that great? And then we'll just leave Tom up to his devices. We'll, we'll see how he goes. You know, God doesn't work like that. God says, we get Tom saved. It cost, God says, it, it cost me a lot to get Tom saved, to get Barbara saved. Amen? It cost me an awful lot. It cost me my son. Therefore, we, we started this work. I sent my son for him. Therefore, if I started this work, I'm going to finish this work. Tom, I just need you to allow me to finish the work. Because I started. It was my idea, right? I created you, first of all. 
man. I created you. And then I gave you life and life abundantly. Now, let me finish the work that I've started. Please, let me finish the work. And so this generation is a finishing generation in a sense where we're saying, God, finish the work. So the, the, there's good days ahead. Amen? Okay, only, only half a dozen. That's fine. There's good days ahead. There's good. It means all things are possible. Amen? Hallelujah. So how does God work then? So God actually, what He does is He, he concludes something before He starts it. He always finishes something before He starts it. He doesn't start something and then wonder how it's going to end. Amen? So He'll... So he'll, he'll He'll, and in and, and God's mind, God doesn't think the way we do, because it's okay, we got this, this guy, Tom Ingalls, or maybe Hunter Shanks, but he wasn't confused about that. We get this guy come, so what are we going to do with him? Well, you know, they're not, you know, when I reached the midlife crisis or whatever, whatever it was, and, and I, I didn't reach it. But you know what I'm saying? It's like, what do I do next? God says, I've got a plan for your life, man. Just follow me, because I've already ended it before I started it, and it's all good. It is all good. It is all good. So just let me finish it. I haven't made any mistakes. I've, I've, I've created you at the right time. You're here at the right time, in the right place. All is good. Amen. So, so how does he do it then? He takes his conclusion of what he wants to do in your life. He takes his conclusion and he wraps it into words. He puts it into these words here. And then he sends his word into the earth. Looking for a human vessel that will receive His Word, conceive His Word, and birth His Word. So the only way that God can actually work through you is if He finds the right human vessel. Amen. And <clears throat> there's some interesting uh, things that God does. You know, God is not limited in any way um, are restricted to clocks and calendars. You know, God operates through human beings who will receive His Word. This is the starting point of your work, is to receive the Word, to conceive the Word. In other words, to, 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 to get it from here into the, the heart, conception it, into your bosom as it were, and then to birth the Word. Amen. So He's always looking for people to do that. Now, this is what He does. This is profound. Because God doesn't work alone, God has chosen to work through human vessels. Amen. Believe it or not, but you are chosen to work with God. Amen. So God's got a plan and a purpose for His kingdom working through you. Amen. Now, I'm not talking about grandiose things like preaching from pulpits or doing international ministry. I'm, I'm talking about that God's got a plan and a purpose for your life, where you live, with your family. For your grandkids, for your kids, he's got a plan and a purpose. And it's awesome. But he's saying, I need, you to, I need to show you how to operate this. If you bear with me, I will show you through these pages. Because this here is the best that God could, could think about. These are, these are, this is God's thoughts written down for you and I. Amen. That this, every, every word in here is weighted. It's heavy. Every word in this book is heavy with God's presence, every single word. That's why when we read the Word of God and we open it up, we can never be frivolous about it. This is power, man. This is, this is the most powerful stuff you will ever read. 
Amen. And it's God's best thoughts. Amen. If God, if we to ask God, God, could you, could you give me your best? He, he said, I've already done it. <laughs> I've already written my best for you. That's it, Tom. I can't do any more than that. Unless you get a hold of this, it's only second best. Your life will be second best without this. Amen. But your life will be best with this. Hallelujah. Amen. So what he does is he, he, wraps, he wraps it up and he sends, he sends his word into the earth looking for a human vessel. Now, <clears throat> what kind of people, when God wants to change, when God wants to change anything, what God does is God will look for, let me give you an example. Probably the most dramatic change in the Old Testament, the most dramatic, it was incredible, was when God wanted to change the, the kind of worship that Moses, that God originally gave Moses, which was blood sacrifice, right? And God wanted to change that. He wanted to take that away for a season and have the kind of praise and worship that you and I have. So was, this was a big deal because up until that time, man, it was all blood sacrifice. The Jewish people knew that big time, you know. And you had to do it right, otherwise you'd die. If you bring the wrong sacrifices, if you don't do it the right way. We all know that, right? And so God was saying something new. So this is God's thinking now. Think, Watch this now. So God's saying, okay, so I've, I want to introduce change in the earth. Dramatic change. Big change. How am I going to do that? How am I going to? Well, God's, in God's thinking, God, God's thinking is, I've got to find someone I can partner with, a human being on the planet, that I can work through to achieve this goal. Amen. Come on, man. Yeah, I've got to find someone that I can work through to achieve this goal. Amen. You, have, you and I have no idea. We do it by faith. But we have no idea in the natural. We're grandparents. Your pastors are no grandparents. But the influence that we have on children, on our children, you have no idea how that influence in them can, can fulfill towards, obviously parents do, but even just grandparents because we relate to that a lot. The influence that we can have on, that, on their destinies that will impact this globe, we have no idea. Amen. So, so these, these are precious times. Um, the, the, the impact, just the joy that we, that, that we have in the presence, the way we, we play silly games with them and we do all kinds of things. These are all things, these are godly things that God says, I can use these memories that they will grow up with and they can use those themselves to fulfill the plans and purposes that I have for their lives that will affect the kingdom. Amen. And so God says, okay, how am I going to do this? How am I going to bring about this massive change? that I want to bring about. How do we move away from blood sacrifice to praise and worship? We're lifting of hands, we're dancing, we're singing. How do we do that? And so what God does is, this is powerful. God has to look for the right vessel. This is powerful. He has to look for the right vessel. He, he doesn't create vessels to do that stuff. He has to look for the right heart that is open and willing to do what he's planning to do. So the Bible says what he does is he starts to search the earth. He looks for the right heart. And he finds the right man.
called David, who had a worshiping heart. So worship is the foundation. God was attracted to the worshiping heart of David and thought, this is the guy that I'm going to use because he's got the right heart. The Bible does not say anywhere. In fact, it says the opposite. God did not create a David to be a David. David had to, God had to find a David. It says it even in the New Testament in Acts 13, 22. Um, so, so God was scouring the earth looking for, because God wanted to bring change, right? So he's thinking, okay, I've got to look for the right heart. What kind of heart is going to bring about the change? So he finds David in the sheep fields. The guy's about 15 or 16. He's a young person, right? And he's worshiping God. He's worshiping God there. And so he gets God's attention. Every time you worship, you've got God's 100% God's attention. Amen. Every time you worship, every, every time you say, thank you, Jesus, boom, you've got God's 100% attention. <laughs> Amen. And so he finds, he finds David in the sheep fields. And David was, David was not looking for ministry. All David was looking for was to tell God that he loves him. This is, this is powerful. He wasn't looking for a ministry, man. He was in the sheep fields looking after his father's sheep. In fact, we found out later that he, nobody thought much about him. It wasn't a big deal. He was just a kid looking after the sheep. But they didn't know really what he was up to. What he was up to is he was worshiping the Lord day and night, night and day. He just worshiped the Lord. And, and every time he did that, he got God's attention. It was like God, God, God must have said, here he is again. He's at it again. He's worshiping me. He's loving me. And so... There was a continual communication then between man and God and God and man at a heart level. Amen. And God says, I can use this heart. I can use this heart. The worshiping heart is the foundation for your whole destiny and God's destiny to be fulfilled operating through you. This is profound because he says, I found... A man after my own heart who will fulfill all my will. Amen. So it's possible then that a, a human being with a right heart, with a heart who loves God, amen, let's not say a worshiping heart, but that's what it was because we often think that's singing. But, but a worshiping, a heart who really loves God. God says, if I can find someone like that, if I can find a grandmother or a grandfather or a mother or a father like that, I can through them, use their children to change the entire destiny and fulfill all my will. Everything I want to do through that family line, I can do it through them. I can do it. If I can just find someone who loves. I'm not talking about being in ministry. I'm not talking about being having a pulpit ministry. I'm not talking about anything like that. I'm talking about individuals who just love God, who are open to God. God says, I can use those to change, to fulfill my day, His plans and purposes. Can you imagine how exciting that is for God when He finds the right heart? Amen. And so He found David in the sheep fields. Let, let me just share this quickly with you, how profound this whole thing is. There's a, there's a difference between the mechanism of prayer and worship. It's, very dis it's distinctly different. The mechanism of prayer works simply like this. I'll give it to you, a quick, very simple definition. The definition of, war, uh, of prayer is there is a need. Amen. So it's either a personal need or it's a need we have for the nation or for our friends or whatever it may be. 
And so what we do is we go to God and we present the need to God. Is that right? According to the Word. And so God listens and God answers. Is that, that's how prayer works, but very basically, isn't it? Is that right? Did I get that right? Amen. So we say, God, we present this need to you. God listens. God listens. And God, then God answers. So it works like this. Watch this now. Visually just watch this. So what happens is my prayer goes towards God. God listens. And then God answers the prayer. So it's all about me. Or it's all about whatever we're praying for, right? Do you understand what I'm saying? It's kind of all about us. Prayer is all about us or, or the people we're praying for or the nation. Worship is completely different. It is completely different. When we worship God, we're basically telling God that we love Him. Very simple definition. We're saying we love you just because you're God, right? So what happens is God listens. But the mechanism becomes different at that point. What happens is God receives that that thanksgiving, that praise, that worship, into his own spirit being. It becomes a personal thing. It's like, whoa, it doesn't go, it doesn't go back out of God in terms of answering prayer. It remains in God. Amen. I believe that your thanksgiving, your praise, your worship will remain eternally in the heart of God forever. Amen. But that has massive consequences. So, so then, so we're worshiping God. Then it's not, it's not about you anymore. It has removed all selfishness from the, from the mechanism, if I could say it like that. And so what it's about now is like, is God, this is, this, is, this is not about me. This is about you. I just love you. I think you're awesome. I think you're great. I just want to thank you for your goodness. And God, I'm just, I, I can't stop thanking you. I can't stop. God, you just, look at what you've done. Look at what you've done in my life. Look at how you've protected us, how you've given us beautiful children and grandchildren. Look at what you've done. You've done so many good. So it's, it's not about you. It's all about him. But what happened, and I didn't mean to get into this, but maybe this is good. But what happens then is God says, Tom, Tom or Hunter? <laughs> no, he says, Tom. He, he said, Tom, because you made it about me, now I'm going to make it about you. Amen? Because you first made it about me, I'm now going to make it about you. And he's bound then by his own word to fulfill the scripture that said it's more blessed to give than to receive. I don't know if I taught this years ago, but if I did, it's okay. You need to hear it again. It's more blessed. So, so God says, you blessed me, Tom, but I'm bound to bless you more than you bless me because <laughs> you can never outgive God. You can never do that. Amen. So the more you develop a lifestyle of thankfulness and praise and worship, what you're doing is you're putting yourself in a position to receive more from God than you could probably ever get through prayer. Oh, hallelujah. Because you've removed the selfishness. It's not about you, but God says, but you have to know this. This is how it works. Because some people will sing until the cows come home and nothing happens. Their lives never change because they don't know the mechanism. They don't know how it works. But as soon as you know that that is a reality, that is a fact in Scripture, then you can expect God to be doing good things in your life all the time. 
That is, the ba- that is the basis of prosperity. The basis of prosperity is really got nothing much to do with money, although it, it, it is obviously, but it's got to do with that place of worship in God. Amen? And then things start to flow. All right. So then God, so what the point I was making, and I've labored it a little bit there, but the point I was making is that God wanted to change things. So he was looking for a David to change the worship. Dramatic stuff. Can you imagine when David announced it? Guys, we ain't going to do blood sacrifice anymore. What? For hundreds of years we've been doing blood sacrifice. What? No, he says, no, that's out now. God wants something new. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to lift our hands in praise. We're going to dance. We're going to sing. We're going to shout. We're going to do all those good things. It's a new day. Hallelujah. Dramatic stuff. Do you know what? They listened. They must have thought our leader heard from God. And for 40 years they worshiped God. So now, this is the, the, the message I want to get to, and I'll go through this the next 10 or 15 minutes. So God's going to do the most dramatic thing He's ever done. The, the worship thing under David's time was dramatic. Old Testament, most dramatic thing that ever happened. The New Testament, He's going to do something more dramatic. So what is God going to do? He wants to send now His Son onto the earth. He's going to send His Son. But he's, again, he's got to look for a human vessel. He's got to look for someone, watch now, who will, who will receive the word, conceive the word, and birth the word. Amen. He's got to find someone who will do that. So what, is he, what does he look for? Again, he's looking for the worshiping heart. So he finds Mary. Amen. The human target. He finds Mary, this young woman, again a young woman. This is why the end time move of God will be among young people. You young people, get ready for something massive. God's going to start using teenagers in such a profound way. It's, it's, it's incredible. It's happening actually in, in Singapore at the moment. I was up there a couple of, about a month ago. And uh, there's a church up there now. They've got young people running the church. It's one of the fastest growing churches in Southeast Asia. And uh, young people are running the church. We're talking about, you know, a couple of older people are over, older people in their 30s, 40s are overseeing it, but it's young people that are running it completely. They're, yeah, they're preaching, they're preaching, they're laying hands in the sick, they're doing stuff, man. They're doing stuff. They're into it. There's nothing sluggish about them. They're into it. There's, there's a fire. There's not, you know, teenagers caught up in their, in their uh, things. Nice. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. But, you know, it's, it's like they're in fire for God. They're more excited about God than their iPads. Amen. Uh, thank you for that. That's awesome. And so God says, I've got to find a human target. So he finds, he's looking again. He's looking now. Who's he going to find? Who is the right person that will birth my son? This is a big thing. So he finds Mary. She was a worshiper. She was a worshiper. Because you can find out the song of Mary as soon as everything happened, she started to sing. So God knew beforehand that she was already a worshiper. So God chose a worshiper to birth his son. Amen. He found Mary in it. And the first thing, watch this now. First thing, the angel comes in to, the, uh, to announce it. And he says in verse Luke 20, 27 and in verse 28, And having come, come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is, is with you. Blessed are you among women. So the first thing the angel said to Mary was rejoice. He didn't say, you're going to fall pregnant. He said, rejoice. First thing he said. Now, this is powerful. 
He said, rejoice. Why would he say rejoice? The angel said, this is basically the message I've got from God. You're the chosen one. But the first thing you need to do is rejoice. Why? Because mothers have got to rear children in an atmosphere of joy. Amen. Mothers have got to raise their children. So the atmosphere of joy is a birthing atmosphere. If you're going to birth anything, whether it's a business or what, what, whatever it may be, and God's in it, then you've got to maintain an atmosphere of joy. Joyful mothers is very profound. A joyful, you can't beat a joyful mother. Amen. Come on, man. Mothers, you had a chance to say amen there. Uh, I'll get to the fathers maybe tonight. I'll get to the fathers tonight. And so, and so God had to find a human target. Now, here, here's what's exciting and encouraging for all of us. He didn't send his word to the high and mighty. He didn't send his word. He didn't send, choose someone who was influential and powerful. Here's what God did. Because he was not looking at those exterior things. He was looking at the heart. So he didn't choose the strength of a Samson or the wisdom of a Solomon or a prophet like Elijah or a king like David. He chose an unknown virgin in an unpopular city. That's who he chose. Now, here's the point. That scenario seems impossible. How can you birth the Christ child the son of the living God, through a simple woman who's unpopular, unpopular city, who's unknown. How are you going to do that? Basically, God's saying, I, I don't look at exteriors. I don't look at circumstances. I look at the heart. If I can find the right heart, all things become possible. Amen? All things become possible. Now, in the natural, and I talked a little bit this on Friday night, she had, she had limitations. God will always use people with limitations. You know, when God, you know, when God spoke to me about, um, you know, taking worship to the nations, you know, I thought, God, I'm the wrong guy for this because I don't even play an instrument. I can sing, yeah. But, you know, and I'll go to churches, some big churches, and the guys think, oh, well, Tom Ingalls, he, you know, he knows the worship thing. So would you like to play keys or would you like us to give you a good? And I said, no, don't worry. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? I said, just play and I'll go along. I'll, you know, I'll go along kind of thing. And I often thought, you know, I'm the wrong person. God should have maybe chosen someone who could play. Do you know what I'm saying? It seems the wrong person. Because said, no, I'm not looking for that because I'm not emphasizing the musical aspect of it. I'm going to emphasize the biblical aspect of worship. Amen. So that, that little thing helped me quite a bit. So, so God, God, uh, God's always dealt with guys that say, God, I can't do it. He's looking for those kind of people that say, look, I know you can't do it, man, but I've chosen you anyway, okay? I know you can't do it. You're telling me you can't do it? You don't think I know who you are? <laughs> you don't think I know you're, you're limited? I know who you are. Amen. So God says, I've heard all this stuff before. It's old news. You know, give me someone who'll just say, yes, I'll do it. Amen. And so um, you've got to know your, your assignment is impossible if God's in it. Amen. It's impossible. I can't do it. If you know you can do it, God's not in it. God says, well, then just do it yourself. <laughs> you, don't, you don't need me. You know, just do it yourself. You can do it. Just do it yourself. 
And so Jeremiah, I mean, watch this. Now, Jeremiah says, I'm too young. Gideon says, I'm the weakest. Abram said, I'm too old. And Sarah says, just forget it. Have you seen this guy? <laughs> it's just, you know what I mean? It's like, in the natural, are you kidding? Can God do this? How does God, how are you going to do this? You talk, Abraham, if you, and me, look at me, look at Abraham. God, you, what are you talking about? And God says, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know exactly who you are. I know exactly how old you are. I know the condition of your body. I know all that stuff. But I'm still choosing you. I'm still going to choose you. Amen. Because there's something about the heart that he's found that activates his choice. The heart condition of a person activates his choice. Wigglesworth, a great man of God from England, America worker, he says, I'm just a plumber from, from Bradford. You know, when God wanted to choose him, if you've read any of the stuff that he did, Wigglesworth, I'm, I'm just a plumber. That's what he said. I'm just a plumber from Bradford. And God says, that's exactly what I'm looking for, someone who can fix toilets. Do you know what I'm saying? Come on, man. Can you imagine the guy? He's fixing it. He's probably fixing the toilets when God's speaking to him and he's thinking, is God speaking to me to be a miracle worker? Is God speaking to me? Can this actually happen? Can this be right? And God says, yeah, you know, there's just something about you. There's something about your heart. There's something about your willingness I love. I, I, I can add everything else that you need because I've already put it inside you before the world began, if you will just say yes. So these guys did. And so Mary actually, she questioned it. She said, how can this be? So she's questioning. She's, she's thinking it through logically now. She's saying, how can this be since I do not know a man? She was basically saying, okay, but I need a human factor. I need a human factor. And God was saying, no, you don't need a human factor. You just need me. I will bring along the human factors. Amen. When you say yes, God will bring along the people you need to fulfill whatever God wants to do. He will bring them along. And I've seen this in my ministry. Because the living Bible says, but with God, everything is possible. The Phillips translation says, humanly speaking, it is impossible. But with God, anything is impossible. Amen. So here's, here's the most incredible scripture I believe, in the New Testament. So they can throw all this stuff, angel and stuff, and Mary, well, I need a human factor. And then, this is, this is important, then she makes a statement that if she did not make this particular statement, I'm going to read to you, you and I would not be sitting here today. We would not be here. Now watch how profound this is. Then Mary said in, in Luke one thirty-eight, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, Watch this, what she said. This is powerful. This is important. This is necessary. She said, let it be unto me according to your word. Amen. Let it be unto me according to your word. Now, what's important about that is this. God was saying, when I choose the right person, I need that person to speak it out. Amen. You've got to speak it out. You've got to declare it. Because if you don't declare it, it will never come. Mary had to speak those words. Because as soon as she spoke those words, the angel departed. If you read the scripture, right? 
So the very instant she spoke it, had to be spoken. She couldn't think it. If she would have thought it, you and I wouldn't be here. If, if she would have thought it, acknowledged it just in her mind, she would never have fell pregnant, fallen pregnant. Amen. So she had to speak it. She says, okay, let it be unto me according to your word. That instant the angel departed, that instant she conceived. That very instant. The angel was basically saying, my job's over. I can leave now. Why? Because, man, it's, you can't beat this. It's the word. Amen. Let it be unto me according to your word, Lord. Whatever I, whatever I declare, let it be according to your word. Let me not declare anything that's not in your word. But if I can find something in your word to declare regarding my life, I'm going to declare it. I'm going to speak it. You can't think healing. You've got to speak healing. Come on, man. You've got to, in fact, praise God for healing. You can't think it through. Amen. Or anything else. You've got to do it. So, the moment the Word became flesh, but l let me close with this. But, you know, you would think, oh, well, that's incredible, man. Wow, imagine God choosing a, a, a lady, a, a woman, to carry the Christ. Can you imagine what that was like? You know, for nine months, she, she was carrying the most precious treasure that this earth has ever had, the most precious human. Can you imagine the warfare that was going on in her mind? Can you imagine what the devil was, you know, trying to say to her? But, she, but, but, but the words that she spoke was, this is what's important. Let it be unto me according to your word. So any of those mindsets that the devil would come and try and put in her mind, because she had spoken the word, it had canceled all those negative mindsets that the enemy would try and bring. Let it be unto If you can find it in the word and speak the word, you will cancel all those negative mindsets. Amen. It was just the beginning bit. So it's the same with us. You know, she had to navigate through the, the natural processes of our times. And so do we. You know, we're in a season now where we've, you know, we love Jesus and we're filled, filled with this, the Spirit. But we've got to navigate through these difficult times. Is that right? And God will show us how to do that. Listen to this quickly as we close. She was misunderstood. Number one. Like you and I are totally misunderstood. The, uh, the, this world system does not understand the way Christians think. They do not understand that Christians can speak life. To them, that's nonsense. But to us, it's life. Let it be unto me according to your word. Let it be unto us. Uh, let this nation be unto this nation according to your word. Amen. It'll cancel everything. It's, it's, it's powerful. But she was misunderstood. Joseph did not understand. Her husband, right? Or husband-to-be. Not everybody understands you're pregnant. Not everybody understands what has been spoken to you in the inner recesses of your heart. Not everybody understands. But you're carrying something precious. She had to be a servant during those times as well. She headed for the hill country to serve her cousin Elizabeth. So she to stay humble. Imagine being given that assignment from God, but to stay humble. Amen. She was subject to the adversities of her times. The decree of Caesar made her travel 200 miles on a donkey. A pregnant woman traveling 200 miles on a donkey. Just think about that. 
I mean, it's incredible. From Nazareth to Bethlehem. So the point is that when you're, when you're carrying destiny in your lives, you're still subject to adversity. Amen. You're still subject to adversity. She was rejected at the end. There's no place for you here. <laughs> Many times have we heard that. And it's, gonna, it's probably going to get worse. There's no place for Christians in this place. These things are already happening, but don't let that put you off because you, you carry destiny. Let it be unto you according to the word. The point is, as I close, last, last thing I'm going to say is we have to know what we carry. Amen. And I started off saying, you know, that, that God is looking for a generation who will carry something to the end. Amen. Now, here's the point. You and I could have listened to this message this morning. And you've got two choices to make. You either say, I don't know what that guy's talking about. And uh, it's, all, it's, it's too big for me. Or you can say, maybe there is something in this for me. Maybe it's possible for me to be used mightily of God even as a grandmother, as a grandfather, as a carer, as a business person. Perhaps it's possible as a school person. Perhaps it's possible that God loves me enough that he actually wants to do something in and through my life, something that is supernatural, something that is way beyond anything that I could have imagined. Perhaps it's possible. I'd like you to consider that this morning. I'd like the Holy Spirit to birth something in you this morning. Birth something in you this morning that will bring glory and honor to the kingdom and accelerate the kingdom at this time towards the end time glorious church. Let's stand. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Does that make sense? Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. I just feel there's such a <coughs> such a stillness in the house. We're just gonna we're just gonna thank the Lord. Holy Spirit, there's nothing we can do. There's nothing I can do, certainly. But there is everything that you can do right now in this house. Father, you know the condition of every heart in this house. You know every circumstance that's going, around, going on in and around them. And Father, right now I'm asking you by your Spirit just to touch hearts this morning. Father, I'm asking you to birth something fresh in our hearts, to bring forth that which has already been deposited years ago. Make it fresh, Father God. Make it powerful. Thank you, Father. Father, those things that you spoke to us years ago that we've allowed to just die, Father, we just regurgitate those things as it were. We bring them back to the surface. We will not allow the promises that God has spoken to us to go dead. We refuse that. Father, we refuse 
any sense of hopelessness about our lives. We refuse it. We reject it. Let it be unto me according to your word this morning. If there's any sickness in the house, I felt there would be someone in here that would have a, a, a kind of growth in the outside of the neck. I don't know if it's a goiter or something, some kind of growth in the out, swollen in the outside of the neck. I'm not going to ask you forward. Just identify yourself if there's someone like that here tonight, today. Okay. We just curse that in Jesus' name. We curse it in the name of Jesus. Father, we declare healing according to your word right now. So, Father, we curse everything that is not of God. We come against sickness right now in the name of Jesus. We come against it. Let it be unto me according to your word, for you sent your word and you healed us and delivered us from all our troubles. Every trouble regarding sickness, I command it to go this morning in Jesus' name. I command it to go in Jesus' name. For your bread is health. Thank you, Father. Disappear right now. I command pain to leave right now. In the name of Jesus. I come against discouragement right now. Where there has been discouragement. Father, we come against it. We agree right now. We take hope afresh today. I want you to just breathe that in. Breathe in hope afresh. That the future is good. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. And just gently, just gently start to praise Him and worship Him. Don't have to be loud, but just start to praise Him. Shita Sanda Saramu Shedamu Kiramashuramu Sedame. Just start to worship, worship him. Kisharamu Sambode Koromu Shedamu Kedave. Just worship him. Let all those cares just go right now. Lift your hands and just worship. Worship Him. Worship Him. Worship Him. Worship Him. Thank you, Jesus. Kisharamu se promo. Just worship Him. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Worship Him. Jesus. I realize we've probably gone over a little bit of time, of time. But I want you to just arrest this moment in your heart right now. 
Just take this moment in. Take this moment in. And just walk away with this moment of God's presence. Don't let it go. appreciate this congregation. I, I'm watching, I'm watching over you and I, I see I see the way you're engaged in this moment and it's very, very it's very encouraging. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for watching Victory Christian Center. For more content, please subscribe to our YouTube channel or you can subscribe to our podcasts on Spotify, iTunes or Google Podcasts. Check out our website at victory.net.nz. We'll see you again soon.